0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz drummer Greg Fox. We talked to him on June 7, 2020, about his latest 2020 CD, Contact, amidst the COVID-19 world lockdown. He remains a student himself, open-minded, honest, and willing, and he has worked with the best in jazz and has a great story. Get to know him. Well, hey, thanks for taking a minute out. I figured it's probably a good idea to talk a little bit about music during this time, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time out.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, my pleasure.
0: So your latest album, Contact, my my question about new releases during this time is, you know, people probably have more time to listen to music, but, you, you know, you can't do anything live for this. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, releasing material during a pandemic and then, of course, now with everything else that's going on with protesting and the way the world is.
1: You know, obviously because of the attention economy that we find ourselves in, there's a lot of pressure to like maintain visibility and presence, right? Um, So you put a thing out and then you got to do a release show and you got to do a tour and you got to keep doing social media stuff, you know, it's like, it's like part of the job, right? Um, I mean, to be honest with you, the idea of doing a, um, sort of like whatever live stream record release of some kind was not exciting to me at all. And, um, there were some, actually, there were some performances planned, um, that were in tandem with some institutions and organizations that I worked with in the past. So they were going to be, you know, cool, as cool as a live stream performance can be really. Um, but, um, You know, I mean, it's like the double, right? It's like, so, you know, I finished this record two years ago, right? Really, like November 2018. So, So, you know, you wait and anticipate a time when the record will come out and you get to share it with people. And the timing, in a way, I don't know. I mean, this year is obviously, you know, You know, we've got pandemic, the pandemic to begin with, and now we have the protests that are happening. And I mean, you know, sensitive to books, especially with what's going on right now. I'm not, you know, you know, like if like, well, like, you know, there are reviews of the record that in other circumstances I would share in my social media, right. That I'm not, it's just like, doesn't feel like it's right to do that right now. So I guess, look, long story short, right, to answer that question more succinctly, when it comes to the promotional side of what is typical of putting a record up these days, especially when you're not, like, major label and have a major, giant PR firm working to push your shit and stuff like that, it's just, it's just, like, not the time for that, right? So, that said, I mean, the record is getting out there, it's out, people are listening to it, and I get messages, like, every day from people who um, are, you know, directly telling me that they are listening to it, and it's doing something for them, and, you know, so that kind of means a lot, especially in the, you know, amid what's going on now in the world, just to get personal notes from people who like it kind of means everything, so I'm kind of rambling, but that you know, it's a lot to try to figure out. I mean, you know, I was supposed to tour for three months this year in Europe to promote this record, right? So, everything is canceled. Everything is at the minimum postponed. So
0: you nailed it. No, that's that's what I'm looking for. I think that's the thing about all of this. When I did approach it by saying, "Are you ambivalent?" or, you know, "Are you have a conflict? I mean, there's clearly there's no real correct answer. But I think I've heard from one musician that there's perhaps going to be a very special space for a lot of these albums that are coming out at this time because like you said there's people that probably need more music more than ever and you have new material that's out there so whatever little bit of good can do the world i think at this point we'll all take it um
1: yeah it'll so. find its it'll find its way you know i mean uh you know it'll find its way like right think about all the records you listen to that didn't come out this year right <laughs> Right, like sure, sure, it'll it'll find its way. People, it'll find the people it's meant to find, and I'm comfortable with that. And I'm comfortable with you know not seeking any sort of spotlight for this release right now, and whether that means that it doesn't really get one or it gets one later, you know, TBD. But it's not it's not something I'm losing sleep over.
0: So talk to me about how your music journey began. Like, where were you born and raised and how music became a part of your world?
1: Uh, I was born and raised in New York City, uh, and uh, I always just gravitated towards music. I mean, you know, I have very early memories of seeing street performers walking around with my parents in the city, you know, all different kinds of music, right? Um and uh hearing you know dudes on the corner where i live with boom boxes you know sesame street <laughs> huge yeah. influence um you know my folks definitely plopped me down in front of sesame street and mr rogers a lot so both of those i gotta say yeah those uh shows had a big influence on me musically creatively um and it just i don't know just grew from there i just always followed it i mean i had a i had a i had like a babysitter for a little while who like abruptly quit <laughs> and she left a bunch of CDs at our house and i like got into those CDs and started listening to all the stuff that she had in there and i was just kind of like voracious i just like wanted to listen to everything and i and you know So, you know, that was kind of that, you know, getting whatever money I, you know, was scraping together from, you know, what little allowance I'd get from my folks or stuff like that, I would, you know, buy CDs. And I bought bought CDs a lot of the time just based on how the covers looked. And because of that, I got into a lot of music I might not have otherwise. And, um, you know, friends who had, like, older siblings who would play music when we were when you know when one of them was like babysitting us after school or something like that um so yeah i mean that's kind of a big part of it the other thing is my grandfather was a jazz drummer and um uh you know in like elementary school after you finish you know the recorder or the you know we had the recorder and then they you know private lessons were a thing we could do if we wanted so I took trumpet for a couple of years, but then it, uh, you know, I kind of, fu- gravity pulled me to the drums, uh, just sort of as like a family thing. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. But, well, there's more than that as far as the teachers I've had, but, you know, as far as getting into music, I think that's a good overview.
0: Well, yeah, so I guess that's a part of it. I mean, we're only as good as the people that teach us. Talk to me about mentors. What stuck with you? What was so instrumental for you?
1: Wow. I mean, I've had a lot of mentors. Um, I'm lucky. Um, wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think it's in a way I was encouraged from a young age to seek out mentors explicitly or inexplicitly. You know, um, uh, being 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 able to identify these kinds of relationships and uh, and cultivate them. So. Yeah, I, I'm lucky. I had I had a lot of great influence, or, or you know, throughout my life, and I still do. Um, I mean, the most notable ones that I could mention would be an English teacher I had in high school, uh, John Rosenschein, who exposed me to um, Eastern philosophy. Um, it was not part of the curriculum, but he you know, thought it might be something I'd be into. And I ended up becoming like sort of like a lay scholar of Dallas Canon starting when I was like 15 or 16. So that had a huge influence on me. Um, I mean, you know, people who are friends also, but who are, you know, a bit older and who I've learned a lot from like the drummer, Guy Lacada, who I studied a little bit with, but, uh, we were coworkers at a drum shop in New York when I was 17. Um, taught me all my hand technique. Um, also, uh, Milford Graves, obviously is a, I consider to be a mentor figure. Um, the time that we've spent together and just the wisdom that he's imparted in the, in that time, uh, has been very deeply influential for me. There are a lot of other, there are a lot of other people who I could mention. I mean, there are people like for me, I guess in a way, um, When it comes to the music world, there are a lot of people who I, who are, who I'm friends with, you know, who every once in a while we'll meet up for a bite to eat or, you know, we talk on the phone and we keep in touch and I know what's going on with them. And maybe they're slightly older than me or they've been in the scene longer or, you know, when I was just getting into the scene, they were established and playing shows and I'd go see them play before I knew them, you know. Uh, and, and I, and I think a lot of those, those are a lot of those people I think of as mentors, you know, even, even if the, even if the relationship isn't explicitly of that nature, you know, even if it's more of a, like just meet up and shoot the shit sometimes, but every once in a while I'll like get a little pearl of wisdom from them. You know? Um, I think, I think I have a, I have a lot of those kinds of relationships. I'm very lucky in that regard. Um, you know, other drummers, um, and other musicians who, you know, it's like a, it's like a mentor doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, a mentor doesn't necessarily have to be a person who you say yes, okay, now you're my mentor, yes, okay, now you're my mentee. Now we have a mentorship happening here, right? Me- mentors can be, you know, people you admire, people you just, you know, learn from, uh, in some way, you know, who you have a relationship with. Um, Yeah, does that answer that answer? Yeah, that that
0: answers it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we do get back to the stage, when everything gets back to a place where musicians are on stage and the crowd's back in the audience, talk to me a little bit about what you hope we all realize from this time away from live music. We all musicians,
1: and we all in the music industry, and by, you know, music industry is a wide-ranging term, but we all inside of what it takes to put on a live show and play music and support ourselves in this way of doing things. I hope we realize how interdependent we really are. And I hope we can lean into supporting each other more um, in a number of different ways. And I don't just mean musicians. I really do mean like the people who run venues and the people who book shows and booking agents and, managers you know uh and and people who do radio shows and you know labels right it's like there's no support there's no support and if you think about how in the span of like three days or five days or a week everybody lost all their work for the year right everybody and you know, it just shows that, and then everybody has to resort to donating money to each other, or applying for relief grant funding. That's that's completely underfunded in and of itself. Or, you know, it's like a emer- it's an emergency, right? And I mean, obviously, there's a precariousness and a fragility to life anyway, even under the best of circumstances. And there's also undeniably and impermanence to things. But I just think we can do a better job of being conscious about, uh, casting a bit of a safety net and a wider one at that for all the people who are involved in making this all work, um, and really seeing all the parts of it for what they are, um, you know, without there being like sort of adversarial aspects to it. Um, now, okay, so that's for the people inside this. For the people outside this, and I mean I hope this happens, but I don't know how hopeful I am about it. People need to realize that primarily consuming music via streaming platforms doesn't support musicians uh at all. You know, really barely. Uh I I I get I make way more money and everybody I know makes more money from sales of the albums on Bandcamp than they ever will from Spotify, right? And people need to realize that if they want to support artists, they need to buy music from them directly, right? It's not even just a matter of like going to... I mean, yeah, go to a record store, buy a record, go to a concert, especially once that happens again, because that's how we really make a living. But like, you know, you look at what's going on with Bandcamp, where now one day a month they waive all their artist fees, and there are some people who are paying their bills because of that. I mean, it doesn't take much, you know. I don't remember the exact statistic, but somebody told me that, you know, it takes like if somebody buys an album on Bandcamp for $5 or something like that, that's the equivalent of like 40,000 plays uh, on on a streaming platform, right? Who's going to buy a record like, I have a record collection. I have not listened to any of these records 40,000 times. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, just buy them. Just spend the $5, buy the music. You actually support the artist. You know, if you like the artist, buy the record, right? That's the thing I hope everybody realizes because uh, when we can't play shows, we can't make a living. And people have to start, you know, wising up to that.
0: That, that would be my answer to that question. So my final question to you is this, everyone has a version or an interpretation, perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, that you're living your life. Who do you think you are? That's a great question. Um,
1: It's not something that's very easy for me to express in words. I think that my drumming, my teaching, my coaching work, um, the relationships that I have, you know, the words that I write when that happens, uh, these are expressions of who I am, right? But they aren't who I am.
0: I really wanted to catch up with you today about the new album, about this weird COVID world that we're letting in right now kind of get an insight to who you are. So thank you for taking a little time out for Neon Chats today. Good luck with everything. Um, you know, I think all we can do is hold on to hope right now. Uh, that's right, and just support each other. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Greg for his time and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com for everything Neon Jazz all the time. Go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
1: Neon Jazz.